Hey everyone, this is Yi Wei here. Uh, I'm the Chief Product Officer here at Talibat, and I'm joined here today by Khaled. Hi everyone, I'm Yi Wei's uh, partner in crime, Chief Technology Officer at Talibat. Very happy to be talking to you today. Fantastic. So today what we'll be talking about is our personal journeys, our career journeys, and, and sort of working through different tech companies and how the journey has been from moving from an individual contributor role to a leadership role. Uh, for many of you on the call in different tech companies, I'm sure that's a question that you may be having, you know, as you grow in your careers, do you want to go down the management path or do you want to go down the individual contributor path, which in today's world is equally uh, as important. Uh, and many tech companies are offering sort of both of these parallel tracks. So where will we start today? We'll be starting uh, with Khaled, uh, who will be sharing a little bit about his story. You know, Khaled's moved across different parts of the world, uh, worked in different companies at different levels of maturity. Uh, and so I'd love to hear a little bit more from you, Khaled, uh, and your engineering journey. How did you start off and uh, what are some of the lessons that you've learned? Awesome. All right. Let me quickly go back to, uh, to school days. Uh, so I went to school at uh, the American University in Cairo. I grew up in Egypt. And um, I studied electronics engineering, but quickly fell in love with computer science. Um, it was too late to, to shift studies, but anyway, nonetheless, uh, when I got an opportunity to interview for Microsoft, I did that, uh, got an offer to join uh, their office in Vancouver, Canada, where I joined the Bing team. Back then it was called Live Search. Uh, we were like the underdog of Google. And uh, it's just like crazy experience. So um, I've done a lot of things with Bing. I stayed there for like around five years. But one project that really uh, stood out was the migration of the whole web servers from C++ to .NET. And that was the first time for me to discover that the hardest thing about software engineering is not software or engineering. It's actually the people topics. So like was one thing was like how we gonna migrate you know like millions of lines of code and servers uh to a new stack new language uh, hitting the same performance and so on but the harder uh discussion we had and, and part of the project was how you're gonna migrate hundreds of engineers to, to a very different developer experience um I then moved to join Amazon uh, as part of the AWS uh, Silk browser. And um, Jeff Bezos at that time had a very ambitious goal, uh, like always, that he wanted to load any uh, page website in less than a second. And uh, my team was, was, um, uh, was responsible to, to use the cloud resources to, 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 to speed up a lot of things. It wasn't a success, but not, not, nonetheless, it was a massive uh, uh, learning opportunity. Uh, then decided to move back to the region, joined uh, Microsoft in Egypt, worked on, again, Bing. Uh, very lucky to find the team very relevant to me, but a very different part. So we worked on the Bing APIs. And that was the first time to start thinking about moving from more of an IC role to people management role and maybe later I will we will speak a bit about like that move and and, and how to think about it but really enjoyed working with brilliant engineers and uh, learning a lot helping them grow and so on then I said you know back in 2017 said man that's uh, that's enough working for big companies let's try to speed up things a bit uh, create more impact and do something a bit more relevant to the region 
and that's when I decided to join Kareem here in Dubai. Uh, amazing journey. Uh, when I, the time I joined the teams I was responsible for were like six people, quickly grow to in one year to 60. And by the time I left, we had 100 engineers working on, you know, captain experience, partners, customers, and so on. I think that, you know, kind of needs uh, an episode by itself. Um, but it was really, really uh, interesting uh, experience. Left Kareem exactly the same week uh, the Uber acquisition was announced just by coincidence and was very lucky to join Talabot um, and, um, as, as the CTO. And it has been a year now. Uh, amazing experience, really enjoying it, uh, working with brilliant engineers and, and uh, people all around the company. And, uh, and I'm sure we're going to cover that more uh, in some time. But yeah, well, that's kind of the two minutes uh, or few minutes version of my story. Anyway, how about you? I know we overlapped uh, at some parts as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, for, for those of you on the, uh, on the podcast, Khaled and I have actually crossed paths multiple times in, lives, in our lives in different parts of the world uh, without even realizing it. So, um, so a little bit about my journey. So when I went to undergraduates uh, engineering education, I actually was an industrial engineer. I focus very heavily in human-centered design, uh, really focusing on how humans interact with technologies, right? So if you think about how humans interact with, you know, uh, for example, if you were a pilot, how you control all the different levers on the plane and how you do that in, 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 in an understandable manner. And how do you do that so that people prevent mistakes from happening? Uh, so I focus a little bit on that. Did my undergrad in that. And my first ever job was actually at a really big tech company at IBM. So I spent 16 months at IBM. It was an internship. It was a kind of like a co-op program where I was a full-time UX researcher. Uh, that job really taught me a lot about being obsessed over customers. You know, my day in, day out, I was interviewing customers on a daily, doing user sessions day after day after day. Really, you know, at that time, learning what it means to be your customer's true advocate, to really understand what they want, what they're looking for, what problems are you there to solve as a, as a tech company building a tech product. Um, after being a UX researcher for a little while, I realized that what I really love to do is actually build products and being part of the team that drives some of the decisions that, that, that builds products. So um, I had finished university uh, and a very similar story to Khaled, uh, got a, an offer from Microsoft where I was a PM uh, in the developer division of Microsoft, which is the division of Microsoft that really focused on building the right tools for software developers to build products. And uh, one thing that you'll know about software developers, as for many of you on this podcast today may, may, may understand, is that um, software developers are probably the most opinionated people you can be building product <laughs> for. You know, they often think that you can build a, they, they can build a product better than you can. Um, and uh, the biggest learning there is, is, is also that, uh, you know, you really have to listen well, you have to incorporate user feedback very well, and you really have to get into the shoes of, 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 uh, of the people you're, you're building products for. So after a little while, I, um, you know, I wanted to go from a much bigger tech company to a much smaller one. So I moved uh, to Singapore, a little bit closer to home. Um, and uh, I worked at a company called Trade Gecko, uh, which as of last week was just recently acquired by Intuit. Uh, Trade Gecko is, a, is, a, is a, an inventory management platform, software as a service uh, that served a lot of small and medium-sized businesses. I was one of the first PMs in the organization. And that's where I... 
I uh, got a chance to work for a very fast growing company, but a company that really focused on culture and building the right environment for people to experiment, to fail fast and to, to really grow along with the org, which taught me a lot about people management, which happy to share a little bit more later. It's also in this role where I first transitioned from an individual contributor role to a people leader. Um, and through that grew a lot and started teaching product management as well. Um, and through teaching product management, I was introduced to an opportunity in Dubai, working at a, at a fantastic uh, real estate um, marketplace called Property Finder. So when I joined Property Finder a couple of years ago, uh, Property Finder was going through a transition where they really wanted to build a product organization that was really focused on experimentation and moving really fast and really having this, these cross-functional squads um, to, to all come together. And so I was a property finder for a couple of years um, and I've just recently joined Talibad as chief product officer and uh, has once again, you know, similar to Khaled, absolutely loved it, you know, uh, and being able to grow the team, build the culture here at Talibad. So awesome. Yeah, that's my story. So mm -hmm. as we go into uh, the, the next part of this podcast, you know, uh, Khaled and I really want to take a step back and share some of the learnings that we've had, you know, working in different parts of the world, um, working with different kinds of people managers in, in different kinds of tech companies as well. Um, the, the good part is I think a lot of it is generalizable um, and hope that these, these learnings are applicable to you as, as you go through your journey, uh, moving from an IC role to a leadership role, even considering whether that's the right move for, for you. So Halit, why don't you kick us off? All right. So, you know, um, I want to start with, 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 with the, this conversation, should I move from an IC to, to, to people man manager? And I, must, we, I would love to start there because that's, you know, the position where a lot of people find themselves in because we all start as an IC, right? No one out of college starts as a people manager, maybe unless you're doing your own startup or something. Um, and being on the receiving side of that discussion or on the kind of the advising side for so many times, I, I always like to start by why are you doing that movement right the, the the last thing you want to do is to move from one role to another for the wrong reasons um and one way to to, to think about where you gonna succeed more where you're gonna be happier is like actually looking backward right so i always ask people look at the last six months to a year and sit down and write two things right what what activities you enjoyed the most what acti activities you enjoy, uh, enjoyed the least? What are you most proud of and what are you uh, least proud of? And just be you know, brutally honest with yourself. And if you see yourself really enjoying solving problems yourself, writing code, uh, uh, thinking about you know, architecture problems and so on, versus seeing others grow, having people discussions, improving the process, improving the communication. Maybe that gives you a hint. Um, you know, I always tell my engineers, it's the, 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 next, the, next, the next change in this career discussion, EM versus IC, will not be the biggest. You know, it's kind of you're forking from, from a road. And initially, you'll not be very far, far away from what you have been doing as an IC, because initially when you're a new manager, you're gonna still contribute to technical discussion. You're gonna still write code. You're gonna still solve a lot of problems by hand. But also think about five years from now, 10 years of now, where do you see yourself? Because when you fork, 
you know, down the road, you're going to be in a very, very different place. Um, so just to summarize the first kind of le lesson for people, really think why you want to make that move. Think what makes you happy. Think what, where your skills and passion is, and then decide. What do yeah, you think, Iwe? Yeah, you know, I think, I think that, that resonates so well, right? At the end of the day, you know, the first foundation is really what excites you. Is it people problems? Is it helping people, you know, get better at what they do? Or is it really going deep into whether it's the technicalities or something or, or a specific product problem? You know, I think um, the interesting thing about tech companies these days is that these paths are, are equally attractive for most mm -hmm. people, right? There isn't a world where, you know, uh, where your career is necessarily capped one way or another, especially as we see, for example, principal roles or senior principal roles, or even in some bigger companies like distinguished engineer roles, where you may not even be a people manager, but you're just a really, really strong individual contributor. So I think it's a very, very fair question to think about. And, and there's no one right answer, right? It's not, it's right. not you know, uh, it's, it's not that if you don't become a people manager, you're not successful. I think it really has to be the right thing for you because if it's not right for you, that's not going to be the recipe for success for, for your long-term happiness as well. And, and that's, that, that's a very good point, you know, and, and that's why at Talaba, we, we really were careful to make sure you can grow both as an IST or a people manager, you know, for, for a very long time. Because the last thing you want is just people switching to become more senior or, or have more growth, right? And that's uh, for anyone designing, you know, their, their career tracks at their company, they really have to think about it that way. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing is, you know, like you said, right, especially early on in your career, as you move in from an IC role to lead role, there's an opportunity for you to pivot back as well. Right? And I think yeah. we both worked at big tech companies where we saw a bit of the, that, that interchangeable uh, experiences, especially early on, right? Maybe you can shed a bit more light on that. Like, you know, how would you advise someone who says, maybe I won't give it a shot, but if, if not, I want to be able to have a path to, to get back to an IC role. How do you think about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. Because as I said, initially, it's not like, you know, it's not like you're going to be a manager and all of a sudden you're a different person and 100% different responsibilities. You're going to kind of smooth into it. And initially you're going to try, you're going to still be writing code. You're going to still be designing software. You're going to still be solving hard problems, but also you're going to try, you know, being responsible for people, being responsible for the success of your team and so on. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, after trying it for a few months, um, they say, you know what, that's not my cup of tea. I want to go back uh, to an IC role. Um, so, so, so 100% uh, with you there that it's uh, initially, what you don't want to don't do is like, you don't want to spend 10 years just forcing yourself something you don't enjoy or you're not good at and then deciding to go back. I think that you might lose some, some time in your career. Some momentum for sure. Yeah. I think it leads to um, maybe the second lesson that we discussed, which is, yeah. you know, when you, a lot of people think about, when they think about management and moving to become a people manager, they think about, ah, okay, I become, I become the decision maker, I become the boss. But really, I think it's anything but, right? I think that especially as you first transition into becoming a people manager, what I tell people, what I tell first-time managers in my team here at Talabat is your responsibility, first and foremost, is to be a coach. You're a mentor, you're a coach, and, and if you can make everybody 10, 20, 30% better at their jobs, you've succeeded. Like, that's, that's really the first step, right? Because when you're even being considered 
to become a people manager, odds are you're really good at what you do, right? Whether it's writing code or building products, you're very sharp, you understand the business, you understand the technicalities, you understand what customers want. That's really good. I don't think you need to give that up. I think the transition on it is how do you make sure that all of these great things that you do, that not only do you do it yourself, you can get one, two, three, four, five other people to equally get passionate about it, to get as good as you are uh, about it, uh, and, and you're, you really transition to becoming a coach. And I think that's, that's probably the hardest transition. You know, the, the first move to becoming a coach is hard because that's a muscle that you haven't quite built yet, right? You know, you've yeah. been really good at what you do, but you, you may not have built that, that, that mentorship muscle and that coaching muscle, which is why it's all about one thing that we really emphasize on is, you know, as you move into, for example, being a PM to a senior PM, that mentorship becomes a really part of a part of what you do, right? You may not be a people manager, but we want to see you influencing others. We want to see you coaching others and helping people, you know, on board, for example, or, 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 or get introduced to the area that, that you work in because this concept of mentorship is something that really needs to be nurtured. Right. Absolutely. And maybe, maybe I can jump back there to my career. When I actually moved the first time I moved from Microsoft to Amazon, I was back then working remotely, like, you know, all my team was in Seattle. I was the only one in Vancouver. And one of the main reasons I made that move is because I realized that even, even at that time, I was like so adamant that I want to continue as an IC. I realized actually, even as an IC to succeed, you only succeed through others. So it becomes at certain stage, you will not keep solving problems by yourself, not writing code by yourself. You actually work with others, other engineers, tackling problems as a group. And, and you still need really a lot of leadership to be able to do that. Um, and it became back then, uh, things have changed nowadays, but back then being the only remote engineer was very difficult for me to do that. Um, maybe related to the same point, you know, the, like the funny, Example, say you cannot be a coach and also want to score goals yourself, right? And that's what some early managers, mistake early managers do, is that they still want to continue working as an IC, uh, solving problem, everything by themselves and so on. And as a manager, it's very critical to move yourself from the critical path, right? Your job, as you know, this saying, it's your job is not to create magic, but create the environment and the culture where magic becomes inevitable to happen. Um, and that's really kind of a mind, mindset shift that happens over years after you become a manager. And that's a bit challenging, right? Because I think one of the key things that as a manager you're responsible for is business results, right? Whether it's your, your, your squad OKRs, your tribe OKRs, you're responsible for a lot of things. And you're responsible for, to make sure that the business is successful, that you win the yeah. games, right? Like in, in, in the analogy that you showed, it's about winning the games. And a lot of times for a lot of first-time managers, they're like, well, I'm, I'm currently still the best player on, on the field. Like, so, so you're, you're very tempted to jump right in and actually solve the problem yourselves because you're like, well, I can do it faster, right? But it's really important to take a breath, take a step back and, and really focus in on that skill set of coaching to help others uh, really get there. Um, and, and I know I've made my fair share of mistakes, you know, jumping in and solving problems for myself because remember, like you also probably love doing that, right? Um, you know, you were very, you know, you were, you, whether you're a good engineer or a good PM, you're, you're tempted to, to bring back some of those skills that, you, that, that you, you've used to be, to bring you to, to where you are in your career today, right? Um, but very important to transition back. So what are some tips for, you know, for, 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 for um, maybe managers have come to you and said, well, I'm really tempted to do things on my own. What do you tell them? Like, how do you help them sort of take that step back and say, you know what, sometimes you need to slow down and realize that you know, it's okay to, to, to maybe have other people in your team make a couple of mistakes and, and learn from that. 
Yeah, I, th I think, uh, you know, the first thing is this mindset shift, right? Okay, my, you can jump in and solve a problem, but then what? Are you going to do that for everyone in your team? Unless you're really helping your grow, like one of the reasons you want to become a manager, you want to multiply the impact you're having, right? So instead of just you sitting and solving problems, you want to see all your team solving problems. And, and it's a great opportunity to take the time. Okay, maybe sometimes we have to jump in and solve things, but don't do it by yourself. At least get coach people, show them, explain why you're doing that. Ask a lot of questions, right? So we, we're tempted. I think the way we're wired, we're tempted to give solutions. But you can also help your team reach the right solution by asking the right questions. You know, they say the best managers or the best leaders are the ones you can tell from the questions they ask, not the answers they give. So I always advise my manager, keep asking questions until your team reach the solution. And every time you felt, you know, maybe sometimes in reality you have a deadline or you have a a very critical thing and you have to jump in but I tell them take a note every time you do that take a note that I had to jump in here to do that right and if that keeps repeating then you're not doing you you're doing your main job as a manager which is to grow and coach your team you're still an IC right? great point great point cool how about right, you Alan. do you have any any tricks uh, up your sleeves yeah, I think absolutely uh, aligned with what, what, what you, you mentioned, right? I think it's about helping people realize that, you know, it's not scalable. You know, you may be able to do that if you have one pe person on your team or two people on your team. But, you know, at some point, you're not going to be able to make decisions for everyone. So you got to start building the system that builds the product as opposed to building the product on your own. All right. So right. What, what, is the, what is the third lesson that, that, uh, that we've discussed? Third lesson that you've learned? That's, a, that's a, a great segue in the third lesson, what you said, build the system uh, that builds the product, which is managers, sometimes people, because being a manager, a lot of it is like communication and talking to others and so on. People think it's just common sense. You know, I don't really have to uh, worry too much about being a manager, I'm already good with people, I will be a great manager, which is really, really not the case. Um, a quote I love uh, from Eric Schmidt is like, he said like, I was really having a tough time handling Google until I start thinking about it as a system. So if you really think about your job as a manager, is, is you wanna build the system that is super productive, super innovative, super effective, even if you're not part of that equation. And, you know, one, one analogy I like to do, especially for engineers, is like almost think about your team, especially when you start, you know, scaling up and having multiple teams. Think about it kind of similar how you think about your system. So when we design microservices, we, we think very hard about like how this microservice is going to depend on one another, how to reduce the communication, how, how to be in a state if one microservice is down, the other parts of the systems are not impacted. Uh, critical path versus non-critical path and so on. Designing a people, you know, organization system is not that different. You have to think about how your teams, how communication will flow between teams, how teams going to be dependent on one another, how to make sure every team can scale and succeed without being slowed down by the rest of the organization. Uh, how responsibility for one team doesn't become scattered across multiple parts of the organization and so on. Um, so I think really when you start thinking about it that way, 
um, you're going to have a systematic approach to scaling up and improving your organization rather than just random decisions here and there. I think this is a good pause, right? Because based on what you're saying, you know, as an engineer who is considering moving down the IC path or the leadership path, this is the, the exact kind of question you should be asking yourself. Do you want to think about people and, and teams as a system and solve that problem? Or do you want to really dive deeper on the technical architecture side and solve those problems, right? So I think it's, it's a, you know, I think it's a very similar mindset, but where you want to apply your headspace. Would you say that? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. So our fourth point that, uh, that we both learned um, is that as a people manager, your job is to make really hard decisions, right? Um, a lot of people who are first-time managers feel like uh, a key part of their role is to make sure that the team is really happy. Of course, that absolutely is the case. But it cannot come at the expense of business results and, and, and making things happen, right? One of our values here at Palabad is making things happen. And as a people yep. manager, you need to, it's, it's always a very fine balance and you want to be building that culture where people are really excited to come to work. They're actually growing, that they don't have, you know, they're not overloaded with work and using that system to make sure that you, you achieve those business results. The reality though, you know, the longer you spend in people management, the, the more you realize you can't make everybody happy all the time. And, and the reality is you have to make tough trade-offs. You have to make hard decisions. Um, whether that's people decisions, strategic decisions, but it's on you, right? As a people manager, you're responsible for your, your org, your area, your team, and they're leading on you to make some of these tougher decisions, right? Uh, to give you an example, if you're, if you're not tough on performance, if, if, you, if, you're, if you don't uh, make it very clear to, to, uh, to people who are not performing that they are, then it affects the performance of your overall team, right? As, as a coach, those are the things that you, that's expected of you, right? As a football coach, Absolutely. you would expect to, to, to tell the striker, hey, you're not, you know, you're, you're not doing great here, but here are the things that you can do to improve, right? So I think it's really important uh, for, for a people manager to, to be ready to make some of these really tough decisions and not just, you know, uh, make sure that the team is really happy all the time. Yeah. You know, Jeff Wiener about this point, Jeff Wiener, the LinkedIn CEO has a very nice saying. He says, I've been, you know, people manager for 20 years. Never in my, in my time, I've seen anyone coming to me say, you know what, I'm not up to this job. Please take me off the field. Right? Like we never see that no matter, because everyone is just so consumed and, and worried about their future and so on. And your job as a manager to sometimes make these tough calls and it's, it's, you can even help them find something else or find different role and so on. But you cannot be responsible for the success of your team and shy away from these decisions. You know, if you really think about it, Iway, usually if something is not working, it's one of three things, right? Either it's people problem, like you don't have the right person, or it's a structure problem, like you don't have the right team or the right role, or it's a strategy problem. Um, and the biggest mistake I've seen is sometimes because people want to make what's comfortable, not what's right they would choose to solve the wrong problem. So they would, for example, have a team with the wrong manager, but they would just do a restructure, right? And of course, six months later, they discovered that the problem didn't, was not solved, right? And your job as a manager is that really to identify why this thing is not working and don't shy away from making these calls. And what I've learned, people actually respect that when you're upfront, where you're transparent, People do respect that uh, you, ha you have a, a duty to make the right call as a manager. And of course, this comes after, you know, helping people grow and giving feedback. So there is a lot 
maybe we're just talking about this part, but maybe I'm sure in another episode we're going to cover the whole um, other part of, of how to make these decisions and how to create a culture and for you know the psychological safety and, and growth opportunities and, and so on. Uh, but a very, very good uh, learned lesson. And uh, I'm, I'm sure every manager has learned that lesson so many times because it's actually, I think, one of the hardest. Absolutely. So let's summarize a little bit. So the four points we, we the four lessons that we learned, the four points. Number one, uh, if you're tr considering switching from an IC role to a leadership role, do it for the right reasons and really understand your motivations for it and re recognize that it's an iterative process. Uh, so uh, don't be too scared about it, but also really understand why you want to do it. The second mm -hmm. is transitioning from being the player in the field to being a coach. And your job is to really build the environment that makes magic, as you said, the environment that helps people succeed and be that coach. The third is where to apply that systems thinking, right? Uh, how, how, how you, as a people manager, you're responsible for making sure that the, 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 the system and the team works in a, in the correct way that the right people are in the right seats and people work in the right problems so that the team works in harmony to achieve that business, business goal. And the last mm -hmm. one is that as a people manager, you cannot shy away from making really hard decisions, whether that's people problems or strategy problems, you have to be able to be bold and make some of those decisions. Yep. Cool. Um, Got summary. Thank you. And, and Howard and I read a lot. And, uh, and, and one of the things that you'll find as, as you work with uh, us uh, and, and the people here at Talibad can attest to this is that we prescribe books a lot. Huh? <laughs> we, we, you know, when people go, people are, 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 are stuck on certain problems, we say, hey, why don't you read this book or that book? Because books, I, I feel, are a really good way. It's a really good way for people to, to take a step back and reflect. As you read, you also reflect and apply this, the different scenarios in a book to, to your situation. Um, Halid, if you were to pick one book for the listeners on this call uh, that you would recommend for, let's say, the first-time manager or the person considering moving from an IC role to a people management role, I know you probably have many books, but if you were to recommend yeah. one, what would it be? Actually, if, if I'm just going to recommend one, I would start with a book called Peopleware. So like kind of software, but called people were. So it, it, it's very written exactly for people to understand the job of a people manager and, and how it's kind of differs from being a software engineer to becoming a, a manager for software engineers. And it's actually a pretty old book. It was, I think, first published in 1987, but it's still very, very relevant. Um, and I think it's, it, it does a very good job in, in kind of covering all the different aspects uh, of, of people management, especially if, especially for those like trying it for the first time. How about you, Iway? What's your uh, what's your favorite? Yeah. Maybe something a little bit more recent on my end, so we can uh, <laughs> we can we can compare and contrast maybe the different methodologies. So mine uh, is a book by Julie Jo, who's a, a very very senior people manager at Facebook. Uh, she was famous because she wrote a bunch of Medium articles about people management and recently wrote a book called The Making of a Manager. I think for a first-time people manager, it's a very good comprehensive summary of, of uh, all the different things you need to be aware of as a first-time people manager. Um, and uh, I'll gladly recommend that for, for anyone considering the people management path. So awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for tuning in and listening to our first ever podcast. Uh, hope you get to see you guys uh, in the next podcast. And uh, if you have any feedback or any thoughts about what you'd like to hear from Halid and myself, please let us know uh, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Thank you. Thank you.